This morning we'll be looking at God's Word in 1 Kings 18, and as we prepare for that, I'd invite you to take your Bibles and to turn with me to the New Testament, first of all, Matthew chapter 7. Read Matthew 7, verse 7 to 11. This is part of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let's also turn to the book of James. James chapter 5. Read James 5, verse 13 to 18. Here James says, If is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So far from the book of James, let's now turn to 1 Kings 18. If you've been here in Owen Sound, in the last few weeks we've been doing a small series on the prophet Elijah. And last week we saw the big contest on Mount Carmel when Yahweh showed decisively that it was he and not Baal who was God in Israel with the powerful demonstration of fire from heaven. And it's in the, in the wake of this contest that we keep reading in 1 Kings 18 verse 41. And then we read, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Elijah went up to eat and drink. So Ahab, sorry, went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. 
and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, would you agree that prayer is powerful? It's that prayer changes things. It's it's a phrase that we often throw around, the power of prayer. We sometimes like to talk about that. But what does it actually mean that prayer is powerful? I suspect that many of us don't always experience this power. Maybe we think that prayer actually doesn't change anything because God cannot change. We can't change God because He is unchanging. And since prayer cannot change God, well then it must not be powerful. Our praying cannot change God's will. Maybe you've been praying for something for years and and God still hasn't granted your request. Is prayer powerful? What do we mean when we talk about the power of prayer? Well, brothers and sisters, this morning the gospel comes to us in 1 Kings 18 and shows us that our God answers prayer. Indeed, prayer is the very means by which God pours out his covenant blessing on his people. This morning, we're going to see that Yahweh gives rain. He takes away the covenant curse against Israel, but he does this in response to the intercession, in response to the prayers of his prophet. Elijah prays on behalf of his people, and this is the way that God pours out blessing. And Elijah, in the text this morning, he's a shadow. He's pointing forward to a greater intercessor, pointing forward to the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus always prays for us to the Father. In fact, he opens up the way for us to have direct communication with the Father ourselves, direct access. I am the way, says Jesus, and no one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus opens up the way for the covenant curse to be removed from us and for us to experience all the blessings of living in relationship with our Father. Because of Jesus, the Father delights to give us good and perfect gifts. And so we can have confidence to come to our Father to pray persistently like Elijah in accordance with God's will and trusting in His goodness. This morning we'll look at 1 Kings 18 with this theme, the Lord sends rain through the prayer of a righteous man. First of all, we'll look at the request. It's been a long day at Mount Carmel. And if you were here last week, you will remember that we looked at that great contest between Baal and Yahweh, the divine arm wrestle. And on Mount Carmel, Yahweh decisively showed that he and not Baal was God in Israel. He is the only God. He is supreme in every domain. He powerfully answers prayer. He is the loving God of Israel. And he wants his people to worship him with all their hearts. Yahweh has proved that. And yet the sky remains hot, empty of clouds. The drought was not yet over. In fact, this big contest in chapter 18, between Baal and Yahweh, it's a prelude to what we have in our text this morning. The whole chapter has been working up to this momentous restoration of rain, of blessing in Israel. 
And now, now there is no doubt in anyone's mind where this rain is going to come from. The people have all been convinced that Yahweh, He is God in Israel. So when it rains, all Israel knows who it will come from. But there's still one thing that needs to happen before it rains, before God again releases the land from drought and from covenant curse and allows the blessing of rain to flood the land. Before God sends rain, Elijah needs to pray. Prayer was an important link in the chain. It was the means that God was going to use to pour out blessing. And Elijah believes in faith that this this rain is going to come. And so in verse 41, he tells Ahab to, to go up and eat and drink, for he says, there is the sound of abundance of rain. He knows what's coming. Elijah looks up at the cloudless sky and and he knows that it will soon become dark with storm clouds. The rain is going to come despite Ahab's unfaithfulness. The author in 1 Kings is deliberately contrasting Elijah and Ahab. You see, Ahab has just witnessed this powerful demonstration that Yahweh is the only God and that Baal has nothing to offer. How will Ahab respond? Well, the text is silent. The people will all bow down and confess that Yahweh is God, but Ahab says nothing. You remember from last week that the revelation of Yahweh demands a response. You cannot sit on the fence, Ahab. But Ahab is silent, and he goes up to have a bite to eat. He has not repented. He has not acknowledged that the drought was because of his unfaithfulness. And still, God was coming in his grace. He was going, it was going to rain despite Ahab's sin. Ahab has remained unfaithful. But on the other hand, Elijah is God's faithful prophet. Ahab goes up for a bite to eat, but Elijah climbs Mount Carmel to pray. This is not the first time that Elijah prays. Elijah is a man of prayer. In fact, he prayed for the drought to come in the first place. James 5 says that the, prayer, that the drought came as a result of his prayer. We saw in chapter 17 that he prayed twice for the life of the widow's son. And last week we saw that he had prayed for fire to come from heaven. Elijah is a praying man. He's a praying prophet. And so how does he pray? Well, in our text this morning, he prays on a firm basis. He prays on the basis of God's promise that is according to God's will. You see, God had promised that he was going to send rain in chapter 18 verse 1. And it was this promise which goads Elijah into prayer. It forms the basis of his prayer. In a similar way today, we pray on the basis of God's promises and according to his will. And boys and girls, maybe you've been to one of those water playgrounds where you have those big tipping buckets where they tip water on you. And those buckets, they fill up with water and then every now and again it tips and then you get all wet. Or you could say that those buckets are full of God's promises. In, in those tipping buckets, full of God's promise. But this, think of this bucket as one that doesn't tip automatically. No, instead you have a big stick which will tip the bucket and that's what's going to make the water come on you. Well, this stick is prayer. Prayer is like a stick that we use to tip the bucket to pour God's promises over us. 
And for Elijah, the promise of rain was in that bucket. Elijah needed to tip that promise, tip that with a stick of prayer to allow the blessings to flow. Well, it's the same for us today, that God promises to care for us as a father. He promises to forgive all our sins through the blood of his son. He promises to breathe new life into us with his spirit. They're all in that bucket above us, waiting for us to pray them down, to tip the bucket with the tip stick of prayer. God loves to give us these things, but he wants us to ask for them. And so Elijah prays in faith, tipping the stick of prayer, tipping that bucket. He knows that God will answer. And so he sends his servant to look for the an- God's answer. Is there a cloud in the sky yet? And so his servant goes over to the western lookout to see if he can look over the horizon, see if he can see a clouds. That's where the clouds are going to come from. He squints towards the horizon, but all he sees is the endless blue. There's nothing there, Elijah. Not a cloud. Well, when we pray, answers don't always come quickly either, do they? Sometimes we look for an answer to our prayers, but all we see is what looks like an endless blue sky and no cloud in sight. Well, Elijah sees that sky, that blue sky with the eyes of faith. He believes that God is true to his word, that he will answer prayer Even if it takes his servant seven trips to the lookout, Elijah keeps waiting on God in prayer. Maybe you noticed his posture, bowing down towards the ground with his knees bent, his face between his knees. It's a humble posture. He knows that he cannot make it rain. He depends on God 100%. He waits on God. But in this posture, he is confident that God will, in his time, answer. He is confident that God will allow the stick of prayer to tip the bucket of his promise for rain. And friends, God is using this prayer, this waiting on him, this patient, persistent prayer. And he uses our prayers as well. God wants to bless us as his people. But he also wants us to wait on him in prayer, to pray patiently, persistently. Maybe God will answer your prayers dramatically like fire from heaven. God can do that. Maybe he will answer your prayer, on the other hand, after you have waited on him for much longer. And he wants us to be patient and persistent, to keep pushing that bucket of his promises. Well, on his seventh trip to the lookout, the servant sees something different. Seven times it might suggest a fullness, a a complete waiting, a complete faith in God. And after the seventh time, the stick of prayer has done its work. God is going to tip the bucket. A small cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah hears the sound of rain. He's already heard it in his mind's ear as he's prayed. What he's prayed for persistently and patiently, and now it begins to become a reality. Rain is coming quick he tells his servant go tell ahab to get out of here before it's too late you see once again god is showing his grace to ahab by not destroying him go down before the rain stops you you see ahab would when he went back he would have to cross the kishon river and that was much more challenging when it was flowing you see the rain would run down the mountain and it would go straight down the kishon river 
and that would make it impossible for Ahab to cross with his chariot. Ahab needs to hurry. Because it didn't take long and that small cloud became a big cloud and then it filled the sky and became dark. And then it rained in Israel. A great rain, a heavy rain. Imagine how the farmers must have rejoiced. You farmers know how joyful it is to receive rain after a long period of dry. I remember my dad once, after it had rained, after not raining for a long time, and he was literally singing with joy as the rain came from heaven. The rain was a relief. It was a, it was a joy. And another farmer told me that he had tears in his eyes when it rained after a small drought. Israel must have rejoiced. For them, rain was the goodness of God just coming down from the heavens. The thirsty cows and goats could drink. The grass could grow. The people could look forward to fresh growth in the fields, to another harvest. Rain was life-giving, a blessing, God's goodness. So God answered the prayer of Elijah. He was faithful to his promise. He opened up the floodgates of heaven. He let it rain, pouring out streams of mercy on his people. God was blessing his people. It's raining in Israel. Do you think prayer is powerful? Well, as one commentator said, God promised rain and Elijah prayed it down. So friends, brothers and sisters, what about us? Can we pray like Elijah? Well, first we need to see that Elijah prays on behalf of the people. He prays on behalf of the people to remove the covenant curse and restore the blessings. And in this sense, he is a shadow pointing forward to a greater intercessor, pointing forward to Jesus, the great high priest who would intercede on behalf of his people. He would remove the curse of our sin and restore blessing to us, life and fellowship with God. Because Jesus became the curse for us, Galatians 3.13, as he hung on the tree. And whoever believes this has open access to God the Father. The curse is gone. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No curse. No metaphorical drought. We'll see more of that this afternoon. And so as a result of, of Christ's intercession, we can come to God with confidence. We can come with boldness, Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with boldness draw near to the throne of God that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So by the blood of Jesus, we can have confidence to enter the holy places. And so the writer of Hebrews exhorts us to draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We can draw near. We can come close to God. And as we do so, we can plead with God. We can plead patiently and persistently like Elijah. We can use the stick of prayer to tip the bucket of God's promises like Elijah. Because Elijah, while he pointed forward to the Lord Jesus, he is also an example to show us how God is able to answer prayer. This is how James talks about Elijah in James 5. He says that the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain and then it didn't rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain. James says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. 
so we can learn from him as an example. He wasn't a perfect man. He was a sinner who believed in God's grace. That's what righteous means. In fact, if you look at the next chapter, 1 Kings 19, we see Elijah running away in fear and self-pity. He was a man with a nature like ours, a sinner. And it was, so it wasn't because of some internal powers of his own that made his prayer powerful, but it was because he prayed to Yahweh, to the God who rides the clouds, to the God who pours out his covenant blessings. That's what made his prayer powerful. And we, brothers and sisters, pray to this same God, Is prayer powerful? Yes, because God is powerful. And so like Elijah, we wait on God in prayer. We pray patiently and persistently. As Jesus says in Matthew 7, Ask, seek, and knock. It will be given. You will find. It will be opened. This type of persistent prayer, it's it's found throughout the, the Bible. You can read examples of this in the New Testament. For example, the early church in Acts, they devoted themselves to prayer. This word devoted, it shows persistence and and patience. Another example is Epaphras in Colossians 4. Paul says that Epaphras is always laboring fervently for the Colossians in prayers. Isn't that a beautiful thing to say about someone? Laboring fervently in prayers. Laboring laboring for the Colossians that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So these are some examples of persistent prayer. They asked, they sought, they knocked. And so, brothers and sisters, we're also encouraged to come to our Father, to ask, to seek, to knock. We can come with boldness. He calls us to wait on Him in prayer, to come persistently and to keep tipping the bucket of His promises. Now, praying persistently doesn't mean that we will always eventually get what we want. If, if only we pray long and hard enough. No. And thankfully, that's the case because we often ask for the wrong things, don't we? Instead, the promise in, in Matthew 7 needs to be understood in the context. Because in the following verses, Jesus gives the example of a father giving good gifts to his children. And he says, how much more will God give good things to those who ask him? Because God is good. He only gives good things, but God is also wise and he knows what those good things are. He knows what's best for us, way better than we even know that ourselves. Maybe a young child will ask his earthly father for a a sharp knife or for a large sum of money. But the father knows that these things are not good for the child. They're probably going to harm him. And so he says no because he loves the child. Well, in the same way, God sometimes says no to us because he loves us. He will never say no because he is stingy, but God says no because he is good. And so we can come to this father. But one more thing we learn about Elijah, from Elijah's prayer is that we pray according to God's will. Because remember, Elijah was praying in response to God's promises. God had promised rain and that's what Elijah prayed for. Remember that bucket. God promised the rain and Elijah prayed it down. And today God has promised his grace and his Holy Spirit. Lord's Day 45, he gives his grace and Holy Spirit to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. 
And so my brother, my sister, do you pray for God's grace to transform your life? Do you pray for the Holy Spirit to live in you, to change you, to strengthen and equip you in your fight against sin and to make you into temples of worship? Friends, we cannot passively sit on the sideline and expect the rain to fall in our laps, expect the Holy Spirit to transform us while we do nothing. No, God also calls us to work for these blessings, especially to pray for them. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, says Paul in Philippians 2. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We are in a living relationship with God. And so we need to keep asking for his grace and for his Holy Spirit. And this is how we pray according to God's will. Tipping the bucket of his promises. And so we also need to know what his will is, don't we? So seek him daily in his word and respond to that word. That's what a living relationship looks like. It's a two-way conversation. We hear God's voice in his word. We respond in prayer. So our God has revealed himself to be this God of grace. This God who pours out streams of mercy, rain in abundance, life in fellowship with him. And he calls you to respond, to ask for his grace and spirit. Seek his grace daily in his word. Knock on heaven's door in prayer and you will be answered. God wants us to respond to his amazing grace. And this becomes even more pressing when we see the flight of Ahab and Elijah's run. We remember the text is painting a contrast between Ahab and Elijah. And that contrast continues in verse 45, that Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. It's a fascinating scene, isn't it? Ahab's riding his chariot, riding home with his legs between, tail between his legs. And then here comes Elijah. He girds up his loins. He tucks his coat into his belt. Or nowadays we would say that he ties up his shoelaces before his running race. And, and then he runs a half marathon. It was actually, the distance was probably about 27 kilometers. And you runners out there know that's quite a distance to run. And did you notice that he runs in front of Ahab's chariot? Maybe this is a hard for us to understand, but in those days, everyone would have known that this was a, a symbolic action. It was a sign of service to the king. So by running in front of Ahab, Elijah showed that he was willing to serve the king. It was an offer for him to bring God's word in Israel to be a prophet of Yahweh in Ahab's court. Ahab's just seen the decisive demonstration of Yahweh's power. Now what's he going to do? Will he again acknowledge Yahweh's authority? Will he submit to the word of Yahweh? And notice that it was the hand of the Lord that placed Elijah there in that position, ready to serve the king. The Lord gives this offer of grace, allows his word to come back to Israel. Will Ahab accept the offer of Yahweh, his offer of grace? You can't sit on the fence, Ahab. So what's Ahab going to do? Will he accept the authority of God's word? Will he acknowledge that Yahweh is God? 
we know that he doesn't. He continues to lead Israel in rebellion against God. That revival of worship at Mount Carmel is short-lived and the people again turn against Yahweh. But what about us, brothers and sisters? We've also seen Yahweh demonstrate His power and His His grace on Mount Carmel. We've seen Him pouring out the raindrops of His blessing. How will we respond? The Lord has opened up the way for us to have direct and free access to Him in prayer through Jesus' intercession. So will you come to Him? Well, friends, this is the last sermon in a small series looking at the prophet Elijah. And one thing we've seen throughout this series is that God's word is true and it's life-giving. We saw that in chapter 17 with the widow, that God's word to her about the oil and the, and the flour it was true. And after the son was, was raised to life, she said to Elijah, Now I know that your word is truth. God's word is true and life-giving. That was powerfully confirmed last week, wasn't it? When we saw the rain, the fire, sorry, come from Mount Carmel. His word of truth brings life. And today, we've seen at the end of the chapter that God comes with rain, with covenant blessing, with grace. He promised rain and his word proved to be true and life-giving. This is our God, brothers and sisters. Today, his word is the same. Through His Word, He gives life to us today, and He wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with us so much that He sent His own Son, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. His Word is true. It's life-giving. He is our source of forgiveness, salvation, our peace. He is the one who will renew us with His Holy Spirit. So will you come? The doors of heaven are open. Will you draw near to the Father through the Son? The bucket of God's promises is waiting to be tipped. He will give His grace and His Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. So will you pray persistently and patiently like Elijah, trusting in the Father's goodness? Will you ask? Will you seek? Will you knock? I want to finish with this quote from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He says, To him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask and think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen.